Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, and as always, I am joined today by Chris Fuller. What's happening, Chris? Hey, Brett. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, you are a busy man right now. <laughs> it's a good thing to be busy. Yeah. Um, it's a really good thing for me to be busy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, you have that, that I'm sure you've experienced it too, but uh, uh, you have that ebb and flow in your business, and so when it's not as busy as you're used to, you're like, man, it needs to get busy, and when it gets right. busy, you're like, oh, man, I need to get back to when I wasn't so busy. <laughs> Welcome to the sine wave of business, yes. right? We're chasing busy, and then we're fulfilling busy, and then we're, and so, yeah, this is this is one of those times of fulfillment, but, you know, it's a, in anything we're doing, when you're chasing impact, um, there's going to be times where you're busy. I would say that my challenge is is not necessarily being as busy, but the strategic times to sort of make sure that the downtimes are refreshing. And, and, and that's even an idea to right concept. Maybe we'll talk about it some other time. The strategic sprints and strategic rests yeah. to make sure that, uh, that there's got to be time of, of reclaiming yourself and recharging, and uh, but this is not that season. <laughs> yeah, not right now. I think so. Um, no, that's actually really good. I mean, how deliberate can you be when those seasons actually hit? You know. Yeah. And I think it's a mind shift, right? I think we did talk about in a previous episode about having the right expectations, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a, a change in your expectations. If we were always busy, we would never have time for performance improvement or to think about how do we do it better or that reflection time is really key, especially for leaders. Um, we're so busy, so action-oriented. The struggle can be, are we making the right moves? I know we're busy, but are we doing the right things so that long-term uh, the model has to be repeatable, sustainable, scalable? Well, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable um, and it's certainly not scalable if we don't have those times of reflections to kick back. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, well, today we're going to continuing our journey through <laughs> uh, Iditarod Leadership. Mush on. Yes, mush on. Uh, we're to chapter eight, uh, which is a fun chapter, but there's actually, you know, we got to prep a little bit before the show here, and it's uh, I, you mentioned some concepts that I just, I, I missed as I was reading through this. And, but they're really strong concepts, so I'm eager to duck, uh, jump into it. But the, the title of the chapter is Performance in a Little Trick Foolery. And it starts off with that trick foolery part. Right. You know, you've got, uh, I, I'll let you kind of tell in more detail, but you've got people who are about to head out and somebody pulls a fast one. Right. <laughs> um, and there's some huge lessons in that. So summarize yeah. that for us a little. Well, so as you're, as you're kind of running your race and, and the, the piece was about, you know, you do everything right. You make all these performance steps and you do this particular piece and, and you kind of got to know where the competition is at. You got one eye on your race, but if you also don't have one eye on your competition, then essentially your race, you can end up coming in second because somebody else pulls a little bit of a fast one on you. Hmm. And so as we're building in that performance and we're really starting to, to get into that, one of the things I wanted to make sure that we build in is this little piece of, you know what, there is a degree of if you snooze, you lose. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of the subtitle to the chapter. And what I built in was uh, a story that I had heard from, from uh, days gone by where one of the mushers in the Iditarod used to carry two uh, ice chests with them. 
Okay. And so the ice chests are meant to carry your food on the trail, meant to do some things, but he would carry two ice chests. And so essentially what he would do is if everybody was hanging out in the checkpoint, giving, grabbing a little bit of sleep or something, um, he would bring a second set of coveralls uh, and a, a worn out set of coveralls. And then he left his cooler at the foot of his bed, one of the coolers, and he left his coveralls on the bed. And so then essentially put a couple of pillows in there and it's like being a teenager and you snuck out at night, right? Uh -huh. So um, I, I built that end of the book because here's the concept. Um, your competition may be hungrier than you are. Mm -hmm. And one of the key pieces that I look for in leaders is are they hungry? Are they willing to pay the price? Now, in the book, ultimately, as you read through the book, what you'll find is the character that I put in there, a guy named Gary, he won the race. And the way that he won the race is he was up and out of that checkpoint 40 minutes before everybody else. Now, he achieved forever race glory because he lost 40 minutes of sleep. Hmm. I wonder how many of us would get up 40 minutes extra early. 10 minutes extra early a day for the week and just take that 10 minutes and devote that to performance enhancement or growth or or you know right now i'm getting up an hour a day earlier every day and i'm spending time reading growing myself and still continuing my learning and so even as much as i do as much leadership development as i do i'm reading other authors to pour into me to say who's better at this who's sharper at this and if you're not willing to kind of pay that extra price are you really a leader mm-hmm uh, leader, leaders are up and out early. Leaders yeah. are up and into it. And so within that particular piece, that additional effort, and I built in the, the, the character uh, that, uh, that sort of I, I guess, play in the, in the book. I built it into where, you know, I kind of get up and I keep one eye open and I look over and I'm thinking, ah, I got 10 extra minutes. I'm just going to grab that and then my, I'll run the rest of my race. And from a 10 minutes, I just wonder organizationally, does your organization have a tendency somewhere to slumber just an extra 10 minutes, mm. to feel like you got just an extra couple of minutes, it's all right. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll need to wrap that up and finish it at 5.20. We'll take that 20 minutes and roll it over to the next day. And I wonder if we give that 100% every single day. Coach Wooden used to say you can never give more than 100% because you can never make any of that up. If you give less than 100%, some of the basketball players at UCLA that he used to coach, he said, you're giving about 75 or 80%. And I know you think you're going to give 150% tomorrow, but here's the deal. You can only give 100% tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so what additional effort is wasted today is gone forever. Mm -hmm. So how do we make leaders hungry? How do we put yeah. that and instill that into our team? to be able to get to that particular place. And so again, that's the little trick foolery, little tomfoolery that I had. Well, you mentioned something that struck me that uh, 10 minutes a day, all right? And I, I've heard some other people say this, but the first thing in my mind is, come on, 10 minutes a day, what am I gonna accomplish in 10 minutes? You know, so tell yeah. me, I mean, you know, what does that look like? What, why, how does that work? I believe you, I, I just, <laughs> I, I wanna understand, how do I do that? So, um, so here's the piece. 10 minutes a day, five days a week, that's close to an hour a week. Multiply that times a year and you have an extra work week. Yeah. What, what could that do? Completely dedicated to- Completely dedicated to growth and improvement yeah. and betterment and hustle. And, and so those are some of those things that, um, you know, I loved Avis's slogan. 
and and uh, uh, Avis's slogan was we're number two so we're gonna try harder mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so where are you trying harder yeah. there's one thing that everybody has the opportunity equal opportunity for competitive advantage and it's this hustle mm -hmm. you can hustle and so what does that look like what does hustle look like what does a just a little bit of extra hustle per week look like yeah and if we all had that focal point of maybe just an extra 10 minutes of focus a day the the compounding effect of what that would look like over the long term mm -hmm. um, you know 10 minutes a day of exercise 10 minutes a day focus growth any of that you're looking for long-term dividends of consistent behaviors that will achieve that end game. Same thing as checkpoints in the, in the I did a run race. How are you going to run 1,100 miles? You're mm -hmm. not. You're going to run 50 miles 22 times. Or you're mm -hmm. going to run. So we componentize that small bites over time. I was reading a story about Ann Schreiber that, uh, that essentially uh, when she passed, um, she gave $22 million to a New York university. Mm. And... Uh, what happened was she retired in 1943 at the overwhelming wage of $3,100 a year. How does this, this little old lady that used to work for the IRS go from $3,000 a year to a donation of $22 million? Mm -hmm. Sacrifice and process. Yeah. And so that little bit saving the pennies the pennies become dimes become dollars become thousands of dollars become and and, and so i think that that particular piece it's going to pay dividends the question is you know we've got to have that focused energy and, and again so we lose a little bit of sleep look yeah. there's plenty of time to sleep in eternity <laughs> let's yeah. rip it up now yeah and uh, and and live that legacy now right no i think that's so good and it's uh, it, it makes me think you know one of, one of my main hobbies is i play guitar and i've had times where i've taught people to play guitar and like most disciplines, it is better, like with guitar, to play, if you have a choice between playing 10 or 15 minutes today and every day this week. Right. Or two hours on Saturday. Right. Give me 15 minutes every day, every time. And yeah. not only one do I think you'll do it, but also just physically, uh, you know, muscle memory that kicks in, right? I right. Mean, and, and sleeping and all of that kicks in and it's, it's this thing. And so... To your point, there's even some advantages, I would have to assume, as we're developing to take that little bit of time, but do it every day. Yeah, and, and one of the things that leaders ask me all the time is, man, how do I get a sense of urgency in my team? Mm -hmm. and, and this is some of the things that we built in. What if you, as a leader, just took 10 minutes a day and taught a leadership lesson to your people? Mm -hmm. Had a little bit of a, hey, 10 minutes, let's just do a little bit of a growth thing. And so first 10 minutes, everybody grab your coffee, we'll sit around the conference room table. We'll talk about leadership for 10 minutes. And that alone yeah. will put 40 hours worth of leadership content development in their mind yeah. over the next year. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can send them to a five-day seminar where they may not, they may be overly saturated, or you can do drip marketing, if you will. Yeah. Put in 10, 15 minutes a day, and then what's the return on that investment? It's going to be huge. Yeah. No, that's really good. So that's a challenge to everyone. You know, go figure out your 10-minute thing, right? <laughs> and uh, seriously, it would be amazing if we could all come into that. And here's the crazy thing is we all, I don't care how busy you are, you can find 10 minutes. Well, we uh, waste 10 minutes oh, all the time. Yeah. 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 It's called Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something. Somebody everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, you, you've got 10 minutes somewhere in your day. Most definitely. Yeah. Awesome. So, so the race begins, and, and again, one of the things I love about this is, and, and you kind of clarified it, but 
he's not cheating when he does this in the book. You know, no. he's not. It's not cheating. It's not shady. It's no. not. It is. And I think the way you put it was, you might not have the the talents or the skills uh, in certain areas that are at a higher level higher level than your competition. Yeah. But you can hustle. You right? can hustle. You can you see can. those opportunities. Absolutely. It's not a disintegrous. He wasn't being disintegrous. Right. Uh, what he was doing was he saw the likely um, uh, failing of his competition and mm -hmm. took advantage of that failing. Mm -hmm. They're going to be a little bit slower. They're going to do this particular thing. They may not be willing to pay the price to serve the customer the way that I'm willing to pay the price to serve the customer. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of the deficiencies of your competition can come into competitive advantage for us when we're willing to pay that price. Yeah, yeah. No, that's outstanding. And you know, that can look like so many different things for everyone that's listening. You know, it, it, something that came to mind is what if you were uh, the service provider that always beat your deadline, right? You know that that you might even sit there and maybe you know you're going to do it, you know. But it's like I will always beat my deadline. That's my commitment, and just that perception with your people goes so far. Yeah, you know, and it might be an extra one day, right? Right. Um, and typically, we're so deadline driven anyway that it's like we can. If I just in my mind make the deadline the day before, right. I'll make it happen. And, I mean that's key. That's 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 that piece is commitment, and that piece is strategy. And then so we're looking at those particular things and saying what can we do. And I just challenge you: get with your team and just ask them that question. Hey, what can we do to hustle a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit more, and then meet the customer's needs and then some. And then that piece is is key. You know, I've heard for years. You know. Uh, that the concept that extraordinary is just ordinary plus a little extra. <laughs> I like that. I've actually never heard that. That's awesome. So how do we get out of the pile? How do we get out of that mint? So let's just do a little bit extra. And, and you know, there are so many companies that when you look at customer service or you look at, some, there's so much that's average out there or below average mm -hmm. um, that it doesn't take much to be outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's probably a quick plug. We haven't discussed this, but I'm going to consider it a given because you have a small <laughs> little book on customer service. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure we'll cover that in the future and really dig into that. That's awesome. Yeah, inspired yeah. customer service. Yeah, exactly. That's great. So let's move on uh, from this concept. Later in the chapter, one of your quotes, and I'm going to read it and let you kind of uh, riff on it, is diligence to progress uh, diligence to progress checks allows you to respond and evolve in enough time to better your performance outcome. Yeah. What's, what's that mean? Well, essentially what it means is, how do you know you're succeeding? Like in the book, I put that we wanted to run because we were behind the gun. Mm -hmm. We wanted to run nine miles an hour with the team. And so we had the, we had the desired end game. We had the utopia set out. We had the initiative known. And we knew what it was gonna take to be able to make that. So. In standard business school, they're going to talk about key performance indicators and dashboards. And mm -hmm. so, if you when you when you get to a checkpoint, you know those key performance indicators. You know what you want to be doing. Are we doing what we know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you if you set out the desired and then you measure your progress, mm -hmm. the closer that you measure your progress, the faster that you can make changes. You wait till the bottom of the ninth inning. Last time we were talking about a baseball mm -hmm. analogy, or you know, the football season uh, has come and gone. If you mm -hmm. wait till the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. you're done. Um, you can maybe pull a Hail Mary out of it, mm -hmm. but wouldn't it be better between innings to get your team together and do some performance checks? Shouldn't you mm -hmm. look at the scoreboard more than once a game? Yeah. 
And the faster, the, the more important, the more intense the situation, the more that we need to review the metrics more often. Why? If it's a new project, if it's a new business launch, if it's a new, we need to focus on that sooner. If the outcome is really coming close to an end, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to wrap up a project. We need to start to get into what progress, not are we making monthly or quarterly, but what progress are we making daily? And if you add up the dailies and you know you made your progress marks dailies, it's a difference between what I would call leading and lagging indicators. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the leading indicators that tell me that I'm on the right track and I've made sufficient progress to it. Um, so all we're saying really here again is, and there's a lot of business built into yeah. to these little chapters that yeah. I did, but essentially what it is is when the outcome is absolutely desired, mm -hmm. then the measurement tightens up. Why? So I can make the adjustments fast enough to make sure I can impact the end. Um, I may can make some adjustments last minute, but it may not be in time to impact the end result. Yeah. Well, and I know too, a couple episodes back, we introduced the acronym RACE, and yeah. you know, we talked about checkpoints there, and we talked about EVOLVE. Yeah. Um, and something that strikes me just now is uh, you have to embrace the fact that you want to evolve. Evolution, in this case, right. is this is what you want. Change is what you want. And, and you know, a lot of times we might go into it and thinking, I've got a plan, and man, if I have to change the plan, I've failed. And it's like, no, here's the truth. Yeah. Your plan is probably off somewhere. So Welcome to anything in life. It's yeah. adapt or die. Right. And so, you know, the, the one thing that I do love, I really get passionate about building into organizations is agility and nimbleness mm -hmm. and, the, and the, dis, the speed, desire, and um, uh, flexibility to change as is needed for the situation. Yeah. And so in this particular situation, uh, back to Gary doing a little trick foolery, right? Yeah. He adapted to the situation to make sure that he had competitive advantage. We needed to adapt our strategy to try to see if we could get another one to two miles an hour out of the team. Mm -hmm. Why? Could we run them another 10 miles an hour faster? No, can't do it. Yeah. So what can we do to make the adjustments to put us in the best place to finish? And you know that then comes into a whole, oh, whole yeah. different piece. But again, what's that measured progress, that, that improvement? And let's, let's just dial it up a little bit. But the first thing is, if you don't want to, and if you're not hungry enough, and if you're not willing to lose sleep, you essentially all the skill in the world won't overcome right. diligence, hustle, and want to. Right. Well, in time, obviously, it's finite, right? Right. I mean, there's, and you're talking about that. I know you work with a lot of companies that are probably in this boat, too. I work with a lot that, you know, they do a lot of events. They do a lot of conventions. And inevitably, these are big deals, right? Sales conventions, annual stuff. And you'll be two weeks out, four weeks out, and <laughs> someone will say, man, we need the right. DeLorean right. to come in and do this and do that. And, you know, you're like, great idea. We don't have time to pull we, that off. Yeah, you know, we don't have time for that. And it happens all the time. And it's kind of the equivalent of ninth inning, two-minute warning right. strategy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, again... And if that's the tendency, you know, one of the things that I've learned is, is from organizations, um, some leaders have the tendency, they're really good at digging it out of the ditch last minute. Crisis management right. is their sweet spot. Yeah. The problem is we'll allow things to get there, delay yeah. until it becomes a crisis. And so procrastination 
is a key piece. Mm -hmm. And I love hero worship. I love getting into leaders that can dig it out of the ditch. Mm -hmm. I also love doing root canal uh, or root canals. Sometimes it is a root <laughs> yeah. canal. Uh -huh. <laughs> root cause analysis um, on why it got in the ditch in the first place. Yes. Because yep. what I've also seen is the people that have rescued it out of the ditch spent the heroic effort to get it out of the ditch because they were the ones that drove it in the ditch in the first place. Yeah. And so organizations sometimes will reward that heroism without recognizing that it was their uh, delay, their slumber, back mm -hmm. to the story, that caused them to be 40 minutes late that caused the outcome that it did. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that's the that's that piece about how do, how do we how do we make sure that we're doing the dailies right? Right. Tighten it up, run the right methods and then don't count on that last minute Hail Mary yeah. to get it done. Well, and podcast confessional here, man. I mean, you are uh, it doesn't even matter to me right now if anyone else is listening because you're like just <laughs> nailing me in the in the chest right now because I've 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 had that realization like I've I've had a career of just being celebrated man last minute crunch time bread is your guy and then I've had as I've matured I said I like that I get you know who doesn't like being recognized for anything right, right. yeah but I I found myself all right I'm gonna wait and let it get to that point and then I can shine right but it was holding me back from excellence. You know, and it was it was good enough. It was excellent in the moment, but it wasn't excellent overall, as excellent as it could be. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's a journey, just like Iditarod is. And you know, when these things happen, kind of transitioning here, so you've got the Tom, the trick foolery, you've got Gary getting a head start, and of course, people can complain about that. Right. And another one of your quotes that you have that I love is, "You cannot complain." about what you continue to permit. Right. Man. That, that one hurts. Yes. Um, that one hurts. And this, this actually came from a mentor of mine that, uh, that I was complaining about something and, and I had, he had let me complain for a little bit and then essentially he said, well, Fuller, whose team is it? To which I wanted to reply, well, shut up. I know it's my <laughs> team. Um, I'm griping. And he ultimately, he used a little bit stronger language, but he ultimately said, um, change it or stop griping. Yeah. It's your team. You can't complain any longer about what you've allowed to happen. Now in the story, what I, what I built that into was around an underperforming team member. Mm -hmm. And so this particular team member, I was kind of going back and forth. What should I do? Should I pull them? And so there's many personnel decisions that we wrestle with and situational analysis that we wrestle with. But the, the question comes into, um, why am I delaying? Am I delaying because I don't want to deal with it? Am I delaying because I hope it will get better? Am I delaying because I don't know? What's the cause of the delay? Mm -hmm. and, and the more that I complain about it, the less ownership I have over it. And so in the book and my mentor in the past said, well, who owns this team? Whose team is it? And if it's your team, Fuller, do something about it or mm -hmm. stop complaining. Yeah. And so you know, many times I think that we're pretty quick if somebody doesn't meet their quota and their numbers, we're pretty quick to address the failings in the numeric aspect of it. Um, I wonder if we're just as quick to deal with the attitudes and sort of the behavioral side of it where, you know, essentially you may have somebody that starts off with a bad attitude, ultimately they become derisive and then they become a cancer, mm -hmm. an attitudinal cancer within the organization. And you complain that this person is that negative Nelly down or dawn, but you never do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And the fact is for the sake of the entire team, we may need to, and I built this into this chapter, you may need to sled a dog mm. 
And the sledding of the dog means I pulled this dog out of the out of the pack, I put it in the sled, every other team member, every other dog in that sled looked back and went, hey, what's up with you? And so there, there was some sort of social consequence to poor behavior. Yeah. And I just wondered, number one, as a leader, um, where am I correcting that behavior? How am I correcting that behavior to deal with it? When if you deal with it sooner, mm -hmm. you have much more options. Back to the same thing with the checkpoints. If I deal with performance sooner, I have more options at my disposal. If I deal with behavioral issues sooner, I have more options at mm -hmm. my disposal. And maybe you have coworkers that are working in your office right now that you have known for years that they are just cancerous to the rest of the organization and they're drawing everybody's attitude down and just causing just a horrible, toxic workplace. We've got to, as leaders, understand there are 10, 15, 20 good people, even five good people in that department. We need to deal with the toxicity at hand. Why? Because those five are, are going home at night stressed out and they may be transferring that toxicity to their family. Mm -hmm. They may be, and so, you know, with it's, it's your team, leader. Mm -hmm. It's your team. Yeah. You gotta deal with the issues that are at hand and identify those issues that you're delaying on and then say why. Mm -hmm. Why am I delaying? Am I delaying because I can't fire them right now? And I, so you gotta put some actions in place. It may take you a little bit to deal with that, but the first step is identify what needs to get dealt with, build the plan, work the plan. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, I'm sitting here thinking about what a healthy team looks like and how you're explaining that. It wasn't necessarily how I saw a healthy team, but it is, and here's what I mean by that. Team members on a healthy team and leaders on a healthy team or of a healthy team aren't gonna to hesitate to call things out, like you said, identify it and say, this needs to be corrected. Right. But at the same time, because you've done it early and often, you also, a healthy team has the ability to, hey, you can get back into this thing. Right. You know, whereas unhealthy teams a lot of times ignore, 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 and then when they finally do something about it, yeah. it's all or nothing. It's like, and you're gone. And right. you don't have a chance to do anything about it. Yeah. Now, um, so I think that's really, really strong. And that kind of goes back to a concept that I think we talked about before, which is the character of the kennel. Yeah. And so the culture of your organization, right. the character of the kennel has to be one where we're going to hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. And as soon as possible, how do we get to that point where team members can hold each other accountable, especially for the attitudinal? Mm -hmm. And around that attitudinal, it's just this, hey man, we don't work like that. In this family, we're not doing the backbiting, we're not doing the sidebar conversations, we're not working the politics, why? We've got each other's back, mm -hmm. we're gonna work, if we have an issue, we're gonna work that issue out, and so right. that comes into the expectations of the collective and allowing that team to self-police. Yeah. Great thing as a leader, when the team will self-police and say, we don't do that here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that behavior looked like somewhere else, but that's not what this team, that's not what my leadership will be about. Yeah. Heard something at church last night. I got to pass it on. Okay. Uh, you've probably heard this. I'd never heard it put this way, but he was talking about vision. Okay. Right. And it's like, hey, unity behind a vision. And he said, what is division? Division, right? Two visions. Two visions. And it's like, uh, you know, just this idea of where there's two visions, there is Division, right? <laughs> yeah, right. and that's again. Either vision might be great, but it needs to be one vision and yeah. unity, unity behind it. So. And we do need to decide where where's that division coming from? Is that mm -hmm. division, or is that pain from a particular uh, person on the team? 
is that personality-based pain, personal-based pain, or is that systemic pain? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the best things, even the best teams, you're gonna have ways that kind of wear on people, the way our company does this, wears me out, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. and, and you may have systemic challenges, right? Accounting always trying to fight sales for their receipts, or their, yeah. can you fill in, can you actually do the, the <laughs> contact management software, please? Can right. you enter your, con there's gonna be natural conflict points. Yeah. But the question is, is it systemic or is it situational? Um, is it process-based or is it personal or people-based? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so, you know, as, as in the book, as you wrap up the chapter, one of really something that resonated with me, it kind of relates to mentorship, right? So your, your mentor, uh, I say you, the character that is uh, <laughs> essentially you, yeah. uh, is your mentor is Joe, right? Right. That's his name. And yep. so there's points in the book where, in, even in this chapter, where, Joe's leading on the trail, then he's letting you lead on the trail, Joe, and then and then all of a sudden he says, it's yours, and it is yours all day long. Yeah. Uh, what a great image of how mentorship works. Perfect image. Yeah. It's a perfect image. Uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's kind of a thing in leadership of uh, this balance between um, when am I delegating and when am I dumping? Hmm. Um, when am I... Um, essentially micromanaging and when am I and so as you start to mentor you you got to know what when's that clutch gas gonna happen right mm -hmm. and so the best things that I've done and seen is around this whole model it's an older model but it works I do it I prove my performance I model the right behavior see I'm, I'm a real fan of that behavior is caught not necessarily taught that's mm -hmm. kind of an old cliche mm -hmm. but essentially people will do what they see why do our kids do and say what they do and say? Because they've watched us as parents. So when we get into this from a leadership perspective, we need to look at, you know, how are we modeling the right behavior? Have we demonstrated the correct methodology? Then we sort of let them go and we go and them go and we trade off. And eventually when they reach a perceived level of competence, then we transfer that, that authority to them and, and you're able to go. So the I do, we do, you do model Great methodology for being able to transfer um, that technical skill, that leadership skill into mm -hmm. into the next generation without doing a dump and run, and just you know essentially you're you're you you can many leaders we we want to teach this many leaders um, they think that they're dumping and and that that, that abdicates responsibility. Mm. Oh, well, that was on so-and-so's plate. Oh. No, no, as a leader, you may delegate a task, but you can never delegate or get rid of ultimate responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that we are appropriately putting the right amount of weight on them and making sure that they can sustain that weight and then turning them loose to succeed. And that's where I built into the, to the phrase. There's a couple of things that are built into that. And again, there, there's just such slight things that I built into the, into the content. Like one, the body harness on the dog mm. um, distributes the weight evenly amongst the dog and amongst the team. Mm. And so when we're sitting there thinking about is are our go-to players overweighted? Are we ever going to be pulling to one side because we're not distributing things mm. in an effective, efficient way? And then the, the other piece is when the, when the teams are... Are, are pulling and the teams are going into that next leadership role, you've got those young leaders that start to demonstrate it before they actually get out there. And yeah. so there's so many different little nuances yeah, that I kind of built in that are little slight hooks to, to say this is the way that we really build 
efficient, effective leaders. Yeah. Um, and, and the statement that I put in there revolves around the NFL, that the NFL breaks more quarterbacks than it makes. Right. And the young leaders that are coming in, they may have some skill, they may have some quarterback skill, uh, they may have succeeded in college, whatever that looks like. Uh, we usually get rewarded with leadership by prior performance. So you were an awesome individual contributor. Now we're gonna try your hand at leadership. Oh yeah, by the way, we're throwing you into the deep end of the pool. Sink or swim, right? Mm -hmm. Fly or die. And the problem is, where are we just tossing them off of a building mm -hmm. without giving them the efficient, effective equipment needed to be able to succeed? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I have a book on my bookshelf. I, I, I may probably have mentioned this in the past, but I have a book on my bookshelf that I haven't opened <laughs> um, because the title's too scary. Uh -oh. And the title is Hope is Not a Method or Hope is Not a Strategy, one of the two. Yeah. And so when we hope they will succeed or we hope that they will and we don't pay the price to grow that next level of leadership their failure is on us yeah yeah well and this doesn't mentorship like this doesn't just happen naturally you have to be intentional about it you have to be deliberate about it yeah uh, but what a great example too it's uh i think in the midst of as a leader when you're at a business it's so easy to get caught up in you know, not necessarily the people, but what are the projects, right? I got to get right. this done, this done, this done, this done. And if you're only focused there, you're not going to step back and get to that mentor yeah. uh, step. So no, you you won't you won't go to that next level. And and what what uh, what that gives you as the new leader, the young leader assuming the position, it gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. And insecurity drives micromanagement, and confidence drives in large cooperation collaboration. And so as we look at that, that's such a key piece. Is the leader comfortable in their own skin? Yeah. And that comes from the appropriate transfer of power through the growing, developing. One of the things I say all the time is preparation needs to precede promotion. All right. Say it again. Preparation <laughs> yes. should precede promotion. Yeah. Now, I've jumped into positions where I was over my head. Right. Um, but as leaders, as much as possible, we need to stretch people but not break yeah. people yeah and that's a key piece that's a good one one last point as we wrap up here um, you know in the in the chapter uh, Joe's had the lead you've had the lead Joe's had the lead you've had the lead and then he said lead yours yeah but uh, you uh, in the book you decide hey my team needs to chase something right now right yeah. So walk us through that, the need to chase something. I, you know, uh, there's been many times where I knew that the team, the organization that I was dealing with, um, could do more, be more. They could get more work done than they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of that, um, I'm like, they can't even conceive that. And, and, and let's take it back to a, a running example. I'm not a, a huge runner but if I were a runner my pace might be a 15 minute 18 minute mile whatever that pace is I right. haven't ran in quite a while um, and but if if I'm a 15 minute miler and you want me to be an eight minute miler yeah can I even conceive what an eight minute mile pace would look like mm. how many steps I would have to take and what that gate would look like and the rhythm of the run I would have no idea so if I want a 15 minute team to get to eight, what I have to do is I have to move them from a 15 minute to a 12 minute. Mm. And the way that I do that is I put a 12 minute miler next to them and then I allow that 12 minute miler to pace the 15 minute miler mm -hmm. to give them the daily habits to get that a little bit extra stretch. Mm -hmm. Stretch don't break. Yeah. And so within the, the concept of the team is, you know, we need to chase something. Mm -hmm. 
we need to put those big, hairy, audacious goals out there, and we need to chase something. I, mm-hmm. I believe that we, if we don't chase what's good, they'll chase what's bad. Mm-hmm. If you don't put stretch goals in front of your team, and they start to get comfortable, then they start to melees, and then all of a sudden, we're in a whole lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Because if we're chasing an initiative, we can all fight together for the initiative. And if we're not, and we're sitting back on our loyals, and we're kind of comfortable in our own zone, we're going to start fighting each other. Mm-hmm. So I believe in that concept that man, woman, man as a larger piece, we have as people the need to chase something. Right. So we need to give our people something to chase. What are our goals? What are our stretch goals? How do we get that in? Mm-hmm. And, and they'll run a little bit bigger, better, further, faster. And so what I put into the book is how do you find somebody to benchmark that's 10%, 15%, 20% better, faster than you so that we can give our people those stretch assignments, those stretch goals, and really pull something out of them. And what that does is that then reverberates in sense of pride and belief. First thing I need to do is stretch my people that I believe they can do that. Second thing is, as we get into that, that all of our performance, if we manage small steps faster, we can enhance the overall. Mm -hmm. And then from the belief and then the practical application of what faster looks like, then we can inspire and ultimately achieve bigger, better, further, mm-hmm. faster. Not that bigger, better is, is always better. Um, bigger, faster is never uh, always better. Mm-hmm. But in some instances, we can get more, do more if we just create that sense of urgency. We give them a very clear pattern of what better looks like, and then we encourage them along the way. Yeah, and it's amazing too. You, there's when you're chasing something, or when you're surrounded by something that that's 10, 20 percent better than you. There's things you consciously know right. happening, right. but there's this, there's these things happening that you don't understand. My dad and I, this was a few years ago, we were golfing, and he and I are both just hacks, you know, <laughs> but we have a good time. And so he and I, it was just the two of us, we were playing. Well, all of a sudden, this single came up and joined us, right? And this guy could play. Yeah. And my dad and I both, we didn't say anything, we didn't do, it's just <laughs> automatically, we were both all of a sudden shooting so much better. Stepping up that game. And we talked about it afterwards. It's like, man, we both got a lot better once that guy joined us. You saw a model. Yeah. And if you don't have a model, uh, your group doesn't have a model. If you don't have better in front of you, then the struggle is going to be, you're gonna be left to your own devices and that usually atrophies. Yeah. That usually starts to pull it back a little bit. We start to slow everything down. Yeah. You know, how do we make sure that we speed it up, not allow natural progression of slowness to occur? Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Obviously a jam-packed chapter and we went a little longer than normal, but I think that's quite all right. It's really good (laughs) stuff. And uh, if you haven't been there yet, we definitely encourage you to go to influenceleadership.com. All things Chris Buller, all things Influence Leadership are available there. Great videos, great resources, articles. Um, Obviously you can connect with us on uh, social media, get on our newsletter. You can do it all from there. We certainly encourage you to do that. Um, another thing we'd love for you to do, if you're listening to this, uh, be it on SoundCloud or iTunes, whatever, we would love a review. Uh, if you would give us a review, a rating, uh, not only does that help kind of fuel our fire as we go, but it certainly helps other people find uh, this content that are si- uh, similar to you and that have a huge value for some great leadership content. And obviously, once you go to influenceleadership.com, you can contact us if you're interested in bringing Chris into your organization. Uh, we'd certainly love to talk to you. So that said, Chris, final word for today. Mm. You know, I guess the final word is um, finish strong. Mm. 
finish strong, pay the price. Um, and, and a little bit of that extra effort will pay dividends long term. Um, there's some things that are slowing you down. What are those? Identify those. Where do you want to grow? Where do you need to grow? You know, but, but when you finish strong, ultimately, that's what I'm looking for in leaders, leaders that finish. Hmm. Anybody can start. Now, there are some people that have a hesitancy to start, but most people can start something. The question is, can you finish? Can you finish strong? And one of those aspects is you don't limp into the finish. You run through the finish. Mm -hmm. So anytime there's a race, anytime those runners, you don't see the runners kind of, or you may see a runner kind of slack off within 10 feet of the finish line, and then fourth place all of a sudden passes first, or third and second. Mm -hmm. And so finish strong. It's your team leader. Let's make the right moves. Passion and purpose will give additional pull. Mm -hmm. We need to set it out. Give them something to run. Give them something to chase. And finish your mission, your purpose, your vision strong. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast.